Hello. Hi, Cherish. Yes. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You've been up to a lot, right? <laughs> hey, hey, welcome to your Creative Best podcast. I'm your host, Cherish Brown, and I hope this episode finds you well. In light of everything going on, I am even more grateful for the very simple things. And if you've chosen to tune in today, I want to say thank you. So first things first, as you all know, we are still dealing with the pandemic that is COVID-19. And just in the last month, we've seen our country flip upside down. Our schools have closed, children are home, parents are home. Many small businesses have unfortunately closed their doors indefinitely as a result of statewide lockdowns and new public health guidelines. Everyone is trying to cope with this new normal of social distancing and quarantine lifestyle. There are endless important topics to discuss, but one that I felt somewhat compelled to highlight is the family dynamic in the midst of this crisis, particularly families that were already in a strained or even abusive dynamic prior to the stay-at-home orders. Specifically in Illinois, our domestic violence hotline, which typically fills about 65 calls per day, are up to 90 calls in a 24-hour period since our governor issued the shelter-in-place order. I am passionate about victims of abuse, and I wanted to have a conversation that could support people who are living in close proximity to toxic behavior. And thankfully, I was able to get in contact with Lauren Michelle Jackson, who is a Chicago-based licensed professional counselor. And we sat down and unpacked the different types of abuse victims may be facing, how they can safety plan for now and later, and how we as a community can support them. We also talked about relationship management in general, how to maintain a healthy relationship with yourself and others through crisis, and how to healthily alleviate stress. So there's something for everyone in this episode. I usually talk to people about their life journey, their business, or something they've built. But now I want to shift for the next few episodes and talk with some experts about how people can show up for themselves and for their loved ones in times of hardship. So huge thank yous to Lauren Michelle for giving me a piece of her time. Here's our conversation. Lauren Michelle Jackson. Well, I am a licensed clinical professional counselor. I am a certified domestic violence professional for the state of Illinois, and I'm also a certified life coach. So I have all those beautiful, fancy titles to say I love helping people mm -hmm. um, in every stretch of the imagination. I have my own private practice. It's called Cultivate Your Essence. We're located in the South Loop, but because of everything that's going on, we're seeing clients virtually right now. And yeah. we also started um, a support group for everybody. Well, we're all in quarantine, but mm -hmm. um, we started a Facebook support group for um, just to help us all get through this time period together. It's myself, along with a few coaches and um, other therapists as well, giving out tips, connection, mm -hmm. um, coping mechanisms during this time, and just really trying to educate as much as possible. But, but creating the connection, because that's what we're all missing, that face-to-face. So whatever ways that we can provide that, that's what we're trying to do. Okay. What's, is the Facebook group open to the public, open to anyone? It is. What's the it name is. of it? So it's, um, 
we're in this together. Okay. Um, just the way it sounds, we're in this together. Um, and if you actually look under the Cultivate Your Essence umbrella for the mm-hmm. Facebook, it's under the groups within Cultivate Your Essence um, Facebook page as well. I had my first experience with a virtual counselor like maybe a year and a half ago. And I had never done that before. And so first I was a little leery. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have the same connection because I'm very, I'm a little dramatic. And I'm like, I need her to see me and feel me. <laughs> and and the from the beginning, like the first time I tried it, I'm like, it's literally, I don't want to say the same thing because people might disagree, but it is a great quality session. How did you decide this is what I want to do with my life? Did you always want to help people in this way? You know what the funny thing was? I originally went to school for journalism. Really? <laughs> and um, yes. <laughs> and I still love it. I still, you know, write and do speaking engagements and things of that nature. Yeah. But journalism was my first love. And, um, you know, I came out in 2008 when that great recession took place. Mm-hmm. So finding a job was not... Um, happening for me or any of a lot of my friends um so from that standpoint I remember I just needed something to be excited about to get up in the morning yeah um and God really placed it on my heart to to go back to school for counseling and honestly Mm. counseling had always been in the back of my mind as well but you know I went to school for journalism I was ready to be in front of somebody's camera yeah um but in so many ways, it was the most expensive therapy that I needed um, <laughs> because of everything that you learn. But it also, um, it fueled me to really have a heart for helping people in a different lane. Because I feel like with journalism, you're able to educate people, right? And mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. by giving them information. But with a counseling, you actually get to hold their hand through the process. We have the shelter in place still in order, and not everyone is in a healthy dynamic. People are working from home. You have children who are home, college students who are back. That could be potential chaos for the most Mm -hmm. organized, the most functional family. So just in general, what would you say some of the most important um, factors are when creating a healthy home environment in a crisis? Yeah, I I think one of the biggest things is, again, depending on the family dynamic, having the discussion about it. Mm. So, you know, one thing I think was the luxury that we had when we were having the freedom to come and go as we please, we could avoid a lot of the topics that we typically would want to just kind of shun away from, right? Mm -hmm. But now we're in a position where we can't really go anywhere. I mean, we can have our little walks, but they don't even suggest that we do that too often, right? Yeah. So with that being the case, one, I would say the family dynamic needs to have a conversation, just checking in with the temperature of what's going on in the household. How is everybody feeling? What are some of the concerns that are going on? What are some of the fears that are going on? What are some of the things that we can make the best out of this situation? Again, coming from a ideally healthy situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think those are some of the biggest things that we can do. And then from that standpoint, from the feedback, from the discussion, now what are some things that we need to put in place? Because now everybody's just incubated with one another, yeah. right? And I think that causes a lot of um, stress and normally how we go about our everyday lives. So now it's kind of like, 
how do we create a new normal? Right. And I think that's what's been the, the hard part for a lot of us to be able to adjust to. This mm-hmm. is a new normal that none of us have experienced before. Mm-hmm. So now uh, a part of it is still finding ways to have a daily routine, but not being so rigid in the process. Mm-hmm. But also too, taking in sometimes what are some new things that we can do to help build this family dynamic, right? Yeah. To restructure it, to really look at it from a standpoint of how can we make the most out of this? And it might be from a day-to-day positioning, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and being open to the fact that this may be a little bit more difficult than what we anticipated. Yeah. And we might be in here longer than what we anticipated. So mm-hmm. we really got to find better ways <laughs> to um, <laughs> be able to communicate with one another in that regard and respect each other's space. That's big. I think that's a big one. Because even in normal situations, sometimes... Family boundaries don't always get respected, you know, yes. from from child to parent, parent to child, spouse to spouse, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. that familiarity and we just say whatever we want, do whatever we want. And these are human beings, individuals, and, and we have to mm-hmm. respect that. I was on a work call last week and, you know, the team said, OK, everybody just offer up a tip because we're all losing our minds. <laughs> Our families are all going Mm -hmm. nuts. Somebody just offer up a tip. And one of the things I said was, you know how on the Google Maps or something, if you put in an address, it'll give you like a little ping, the little red arrow, little marker that says you Mm -hmm. are here. I said, everyone just has to acknowledge you are here. (laughs) We can't compare (laughs) this. We can't compare this to two weeks ago. We don't know what's going to happen two weeks from now. We just have to accept this is not normal. It may not feel okay, and we have to be honest about it. Because you got to think about it. A lot of, I mean, we we also have to give ourselves the space just to grieve everything that's been going on. Yeah. So, like, you know, everything that we planned for this year, I know mm-hmm. I definitely came in thinking 2020 was going to be, like, an amazing year. Mm-hmm. So it's grieving the loss of what we thought 2020 was going to be for a lot of my heart goes out to these kids that were supposed yeah. to graduate and have prom. That is and, a real You know, thing. or the people. That's a real thing, mm-hmm. you know, and they have to be able to grieve that. Or, you know, people are losing their jobs. Yeah. Or brides having brides and grooms pushing back their uh, wedding dates. Mm-hmm. This is a grieving process, yes. right? So we have to allow ourselves to properly just grieve. Feel whatever it is that you're feeling. Let it out. Mm-hmm. Have those safe confidants that you need. Because we're literally figuring this thing out as we go. Yeah. So emotionally, some days you're going to be great. Some days it's going to be rough, you know, and, and you got to be able to acknowledge that from whatever state you're at from day to day, sometimes moment to moment. Yeah. What are some tips for balancing or alleviating stress? Because before, before quarantine life, <laughs> we could say this is too much. I'm going to go out for a few hours. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to go maybe to the bar. I'm going to go, you know, hang out with my friends or whatever. We can't do that now. So for homes that have like four or five and six people all having a bad day, how do we (laughs) pick that apart and deal with what we're feeling in a healthy way? 
Well, I, I definitely think with this time, it limits like our, our ability to leave for sure. Yeah. But there's still a lot of things that you can do at home. So I always tell um, what I've been working specifically with my clients is really establish who's a part of your support system. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So me and my best friend, we have this code to where whenever we dial now, we text each other now, 911. That means we're having a very bad night day and I need some type of support. <laughs> um, but again, <laughs> that's what people that I trust that I know who is right. within my circle. And even within that circle, everybody plays a different role. It might be one friend that I just need to laugh with. It may be another friend that I need advice from, mm-hmm. one friend that I may need to vent from, another friend that I may need to pray for. Yeah. So you or, or pray and, and or they can pray for me. So I would one say really reevaluate your support system right now and re- make sure that you guys are so tight and in tune with one another during this time period. Mm-hmm. So that's one big thing. That's good. Um, another one is also too. During this time period, there's nothing but time to reflect, right? And when we're talking about reflecting, reflecting on, you know, what was life going on for you before we got the quarantine? What do you want life to look like after quarantine? And what are some of the things that you could do now to help prepare yourself for when that transition does take place, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're acknowledging your your, um, emotions in the moment, but you're also staying hopeful for down the line. So mm-hmm. taking some time to really reflect. Also, I can't stress this one enough, and I'm I'm really trying to force myself to get this in my mindset too. <laughs> self care. Mm-hmm. Self care looks different for everybody, and I think a lot of times we'll associate self care with let me go get my hair done, let me go get my nails done, let me go to yeah, the barber shop, yeah. let me you know go out to dinner or something like that. No. We're going to take it really back down to the bare minimum of what we look at self-care. Self-care can be reading the book. Self-care can be now that you are working from home or now that school's out or whatever the case may be, actually getting your full eight hours of sleep. Right. Um, let's actually start cooking a little bit more. Um, so, you know, getting into that practice, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in silence, doing meditation, doing progressive muscle techniques. Things of that nature, talking mm-hmm. to friends, um, a lot of the virtual parties. I know I have one earlier this morning, too. Um, <laughs> but doing things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's staying in connection. But really, this is the time to really get in tune with what is it that your body and your mindset and your soul needs right now. Yeah. So self-care goes hand in hand with that. And another big thing is, you know, I know that they don't want us going out that often, but they did say we can Stand outside for a little bit. So, like, if you have a back porch or if you go for a walk for maybe 15, 20 minutes, keeping in mind, you know, safety precautions and um, everything that the CDC is recommending, exercising is another good thing. Because the biggest thing is, again, we want to take the time to really check in with ourselves and be there for other people. But if you're not taking a good good account of what works well for you, you're not going to be any good to anybody else. Yeah. You're just not. So, you know, I think those are some of the big tips that I would say more than anything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I cannot stress alone how much self-care um, can play a big role into that. And I think one of the biggest things, too, with this massive reset that we all have going on, mm-hmm. what do we want our lives to look like after this is over? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times by uh, us working so much and being so detached, this is a time where we can get the rest that we need, but also keep those same 
um, new normals into the next new normal that we, you know, we encounter after this is all said and done. I also want to touch on dynamics that aren't so healthy and they weren't healthy even prior to, you know, sheltering in place and this isolation as a new norm. I want to talk about those who maybe they've been the abuser, you know, maybe they're the Mm -hmm. one in the family that they've acknowledged toxic behavior within themselves, you know, and they've gone to counseling before Maybe they yell a lot or maybe they struggle with some sort of substance, anything, whatever it is. What are ways that they can stay on the healthier side of things when it comes to interacting with their loved ones? Well, I think, you know, and and I want to be very mindful to say I I never work with abusers. I only work with the victims and survivors. Okay. But um, so that's where my limitation is. Mm -hmm. However, one thing I will do will say is that in working with people, um, my colleagues who do work with the abusers, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times accountability is everything, mm-hmm. right? So when you are, um, a lot of times when abusers go through the, the different um, perpetrator groups or, you know, they've been actually taking those actionable steps to change their behaviors for the better, mm-hmm. I think still keeping intact your support system and mm-hmm. being accountable and utilizing those resources within their support circle as well, right? Because within that whole mindset is I don't want to revert back. However, when you take away everything that's been a support for me, right. that does leave my mind into a tizzy. So, again, it's going back to what are you, what do you know are the coping skills that typically help you? And how do they need to be adjusted accordingly? And who can hold you accountable Mm-hmm. And who is somebody that is a, a good outlet for you to talk these things through mm-hmm. because the the resources are so limited right now. Yeah. But I, I would definitely say accountability and remembering your um, coping skills and adjusting as much as possible will be the best bet for um, those that are trying to be mindful of their toxic behavior. Right. Because mm-hmm. being mindful and aware is the biggest part. So now it's kind of just like, how do we step back and, and re, readjust the way that we used to go about things? What are the different types of abuse? There's always the ones that's the most obvious. There's the physical abuse, right? Mm-hmm. So hitting, pushing, um, being physically violent or threatening towards somebody, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the one that's more obvious. Emotional abuse as well. So being talked down to, spoken um, in a very harsh tone, mm-hmm. um, manipulation, being taken advantage of, made to feel less than um, mm. is another one. Um, financial abuse is huge. Mm. So with financial abuse, you know, I like to always equate it to anything that could possibly get in the way of me being financially successful, right? So let's say an abuser puts everything in their name and then at any point in time, let's say, they want to kick the person that they're living with out the home. If that partner didn't have any, um, you know, written down type of legal um, necessity to those things, then the abuser has all the power. Mm -hmm. Or let's say if it was on the flip side where the um, victim is making all the money and everything's put in their name. However, the abuser ran through everything, ran through your credit, ran through, you know, your savings, checking, everything else. So then that's another way of keeping somebody in unhealthy situations, right? Wow. one example I always like to say was that, you know, one thing you will see is that victims 
will typically experience more than one type of abuse in one relationship. I had mm. one client, she was a model and, you know, the way that she makes money is by, you know, taking pictures. Mm -hmm. The abuser would typically leave marks um, where they knew the camera would pick up. Mm. So a lot of times that costs her money. That's physical abuse and not as emotional abuse because now she has to go out and face these things and yeah. feel the embarrassment that comes with that. Right. Yeah. So, you know, those are those are three of the top ones. But then you also have spiritual abuse. Mm. So where people can use whatever that their faith is as a manipulation tactic to get whatever they want done, done. Mm -hmm. Right. Because at the at the biggest root of domestic violence is power and control. Whatever mm -hmm. power I can hold, I can control you with that. So you'll see a lot of abusers utilize spiritual um, teaching to be able to manipulate it to fit whatever their argument is. Just say someone really is in a horrible physically abusive situation right now shelter in place nowhere to really go how can they advocate for themselves well one thing I definitely want to um, bring to mind is that the two most lethal times for a person in an abusive relationship is one when they're trying to leave and one when somebody is pregnant mm. um, because we just don't know when what the lethality um, point of view of the abuser can be Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. When somebody's pregnant, they're going to do whatever they can to protect their baby. Mm -hmm. When they're trying to leave, it's like, how do I leave but still stay safe? Yeah. And if there's children or anybody else involved, I have to be very smart. So statistically, it takes about seven to 10 times for a person to just practice leaving or getting the gumption to actually leave mm. because typically they'll go back at least seven to 10 times before they leave for good. And it could be for a number of reasons. So one way for people to advocate for themselves is, again, I can't stress this enough. Speak somebody, speak to somebody that you actually trust. Yeah. And what I mean by trust is that sometimes we'll have family members or friends that we know that we can't tell everything to mm -hmm. because they'll take it to another level or they may even confront the person and put you more at a risk. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's finding that support system that you absolutely can trust. It's also taking the time to reach out to, one, the National um, Domestic Violence Hotline, and that number is 800-799-7233. So calling them and they can find out within your vicinity what are some close um, shelters or organizations that could help. Because of COVID-19 right now, we know that a lot of people aren't taking on like new clients and things of that nature, but mm -hmm. they may still have good resources for you. Mm -hmm. So within most DV organizations, there's some type of outreach or some type of um, um, court advocates that are there for you too, that can help walk you through what this process may look like. Mm -hmm. And again, because you can't come in face to face, I would still try try to say, Whenever you can go out and maybe sneak on the phone to, to talk to a therapist or talk to somebody um, that is in a better position to help. Mm -hmm. So that's a part of advocating for yourself in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, but also, too, just being very mindful of, you know, just like your abuser knows you, you know your abuser as well. So yeah. at the end of the day, we're trying to stay as safe as possible. And we're trying to be mindful of what the triggers may be within the household. Okay. So for right now, keeping yourself as safe as possible 
it's going to come with some safety planning. So being mindful of creating a safety plan for you while you're in the home. And even if, Mm. God forbid, you have to leave, looking into hotels, looking into shelters, looking into, you know, even if it's like, let me just kind of stay in the car for a little bit or drive around until I know it's safe for me to come back. Yeah. Those type of things, too. Um, Because with safety planning, it helps you to be mindful of where in the house do I need to avoid where it could not be as dangerous as the potential of it. So maybe staying outside of the kitchen where there's plenty of things that can be used Mm. as weapons, right? Mm -hmm. Staying outside of um, rooms that doesn't leave you any areas to leave. So a lot of times, you know, people will run to the bathroom. Well, if you don't have a window in that bathroom or that window's too high, you got to be mindful that they got you cornered. Mm -hmm. So it's being very mindful to really kind of just study what's the layout of the house. Where are some areas that you know you can shun away from? Where are some places that, you know, you can, if you guys do have a beautiful support system, and I know because of COVID-19, we're not trying to be around each other and keeping in mind social distancing. Yeah. But if there is a safe place for you to go to and both of you guys feel comfortable being in each other's spaces, utilizing that as an option too. And where that they may hide some potential weapons too. Right. So knowing that as well. For someone who's experiencing that now and they know for sure okay, this is the two weeks that I needed to see. I, I can't live like this. What are the steps mm-hmm. to actually leaving, not just a relationship, but a dangerous relationship? Um, how can you um, start to plan that? Well, I think one of the biggest things that people forget the most is getting the affairs in order, right? Okay. So what I mean by getting your affairs in order is, getting copies of birth certificates, getting copies mm-hmm. of social security cards, um, maybe even taking out a credit card if possible and having it only for emergency purposes. Actually writing out, and I say this with all seriousness, even though we don't see pay phones and things of that nature anymore. Mm-hmm. So God forbid your phone goes out, right? Yeah. So we don't remember our numbers majority of the time. So I say actually writing out the people's numbers that you know you need to have. That way, let's say your phone dies and you can have access to somebody else's, you have that that um, little sheet of paper. Or go back and get those old little phone books that we used to have mm-hmm. back in the day and write out those numbers, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I always say have that paperwork and things of that nature together first because oftentimes um, people, especially abusers, will hide those things just in case you're trying to leave. So um, I remember um, when we were trying to help one of our clients leave her abusive situation, we had her take pictures with her phone, all of the different documents, and then put it back to where her husband's stuff was. Mm. That way he never knew. But that way when she left, she had had everything already and she just printed out. Yeah. So making sure those documents and things are, are in order. And then another thing that I tell people to do oftentimes is to plan it out. Like I can't stress safety planning enough because what you'll find yourself doing is you're going to play trial and error to see which plan actually works. Okay. Right. So, okay. If I know that the first place that he or she, because with abuser could be same sex or not, um, you know, would I automatically want to go to my mom's house? 
if that's what they already assume where I'm going to be. Right. Okay. Um, do I want to go to some place where it, it may be, um, it may be a stretch for the um, abuser to be able to find me, right? But this comes down to you being in a place of really reflecting on what's the best options for me. Um, another thing is when people are talking about going to shelters. Well, yes, shelters are good options. However, if you are, let's say, a mother and you have a son that's over the age of 13 or 15, um, depending on the state, your other children can come, but that son typically cannot, mm. right? So now it's kind of like not only do you have to take into consideration shelter for you, but also shelter for your children that may be involved with it as well. Got it. So it's looking at the full gamut of what the situation is. And everybody's level of abuse is different, right? So some may be um, less lethal and others may be more so just on the verbally abusive side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody's situation may be different. Um, but at the same time, you have to create a plan that works specifically for you and your needs, because maybe you can ride this quarantine out, but then after the quarantine is over, what has been your plans for you to pick up and go then, Yeah. right? And, and another thing I would say is being patient with yourself, because now it limits your ability to be able to practice like we normally would. So a lot of times you'll see people um, slowly but surely like, let's say when they were leaving to go to work, they'll pack up some things, put it in the car, and yeah. then drop it off to wherever they needed to do, yeah. right? Maybe even still being mindful of when we take in these moments to go to, let's say, the grocery store. Maybe having some things, like, packed away and keeping with you, and then on the way back, maybe dropping it off somewhere at a safe place that you trust. Okay. Right. So that could be a friend, a family member, again, a hotel room, mm-hmm. um, whatever the case may be. So that there's a smooth transition. And also a big thing, money, because that's what a lot of times keep people in these relationships, right? Yes, yes. So if you can be able to stash away, like let's say you might um, get $20 to put into the gas tank. But instead of putting $20 in there, maybe you put just 10 and then you save the 10 and put it away in another rainy day account, right? Okay. Um being mindful of those things. And I would even say, if possible, having another account so that that abuser has no access to it. Hmm. You know, we're able to do a lot of things online now. So slowly but surely, getting your ducks in a row as much as possible. How can we support one another during this time? I think the biggest thing that we have to be mindful of, their journey is still their journey. Okay. So we cannot push our opinions or our ideas onto them. Sometimes the biggest thing that we can do is just ask them, how do you need me to support you in this moment? Okay. Right? Because allow them to be able to, one, think about, well, what is support? Because if that's been ripped away from them all this time, now they're in a place where they have to really rethink, what does support look like for me? Mm-hmm. So give them space to be able to figure that part out. Mm-hmm. But once they define it for you, then showing up in those areas where you know. And then depending on how deep the relationship is, being mindful of the way you're delivering, how you feel, and how you want to support. Okay. Because, again, we're not trying to push them away. We want you guys to be a lifeline to them for whatever the reasonings may be. But a lot of times because we're 
um, so consumed with our own judgment that we have a tendency to push that onto them. And then if you got to think about it, if this person is already dealing with Mm -hmm. power and control in one relationship, why do I want to deal with that with you as well? I need you to be, you know, very mindful of how sensitive the situation really is. Right. And just allowing yourself to follow their lead. Do not take the lead. They don't need you to do that. Mm -hmm. But you can actually empower them to make better decisions for themselves because you are a listening ear. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. All of the resources that we talked about can be found in today's show notes under the episode. You can also find the quarantine support group that Lauren Michelle talked about on Facebook. It's called We're In This Together. You can also visit her website at cultivateyouressence.com if you are in need of counseling services. And for anyone who's in need of immediate support, you can always contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. And if it's not safe for you to verbally discuss the issue, you can always chat through your phone or your laptop if you go to thehotline.org. They're there for you 24-7, available in over 200 languages. So again, I hope you guys are well. I, I hope that you are also trying to support in whatever way you can those that are around you, businesses that are maybe struggling to stay open, Um, checking on your loved ones, and staying as healthy as you possibly can. I'll be back really soon with another good conversation. Until then, stay well, and thank you for listening.